raised and rooted Tyson's brand of plant protein products, is expanding its offerings with three new items to meet increased demand for plant-based protein options. The new plant-based burger patties, bratwurst and Italian sausages, and ground are available in the refrigerated section of grocery stores nationally. The company is looking to meet the need for plant-based options during summer grilling season, as nearly half of Americans noted a desire for more satisfying plant-based options for the grill. Burger King has launched a green packaging pilot program focused on finding scalable solutions for eight of its most used customer-facing items, including forks, spoons, knives, straws, drink lids, fry pods, Whopper wrappers, and napkins. The packaging will be tested in 51 company-owned restaurants in Miami and utilizes alternative materials such as fry pods made with renewable unbleached virgin paperboard, cutlery made with plant-based plastic, and napkins made with 100% recycled fiber. Hello out there in podcast land and welcome to this week's segment of the Ernerberry Weekly Markets Digest. This week we have an outside guest who is a very special guest discussing halal, the difference between halal and other specialty items. We are joined by Oscar Giron, owner and president of Specialty Food Connections. Oscar, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, Laura. It's absolutely my pleasure. So um, I'm really excited about this topic because over the years, I have gotten so many questions about halal. It's something really? that okay. either you know a ton about or you really know nothing about. I'm not going <laughs> to say that I fall closer to the nothing about category. So I'm very, very curious. Tell me first about yourself and your company, and then let's really dive into exactly what halal means. So talk to me. Who are you? Thank you. So I'm a person who has been working in the natural and the halal industry for more than two decades, working uh, primarily into the poultry side of business. Uh, during that time, I learned that uh, the need of uh, something natural and halal was a, a primary point in the market. The um, Muslim consumer per se is growing as we speak, and they are constantly demanding for something new and better for their tables, put the uh, points of sale what they are currently looking for, which is high quality integrity and nice packaging and near to uh, to them. So based on that, I decided to create this company, this firm, in order to help these consumers to acquire a halal natural product into the market. That's fantastic. Well, congratulations on the new venture. Obviously, Thank you. It's, it's picking up some momentum. And I really want to talk about the product, right? We've all heard kosher. We've all heard right. halal, right? But there are differences between different specialty items. There are differences in terms of requirements. What does halal mean? Right. So halal, the meaning of the word halal is an Arabic word. That means uh, lawful or permitted. In reference to food, it is a dietary standard for the Muslim consumer. And that falls into two categories, which is halal, permissible, and haram, forbidden. Now, these are uh, universal terms that apply to all facets of life under the Muslim category way of thinking. These terms are commonly used in relationship to food products, meat products, cosmetics, personal care products, pharmaceuticals, food ingredients, and food contact materials. So halal is not just in a specific one uh, point of view, but there's very broad uh, aspect on saying this. Now, based on your question about the differentiation between kosher and halal, 
Well, like kosher food and halal food is guided by religious criteria that governed everything from how the animals are destined to be eaten. And of course, and, uh, anyway, has been fed and raised. Now, to how they harvested and prepared the consumption is what really matters. And the halal status to be considered truly halal is how the animals are raised. And that is taken into account. Now, animals must be fed vegetarian diets, which means for the chickens needs to be consuming grains and cows need to be pasture raised only. And not having a feed that contains animal byproducts. Also halal animals, it cannot be treated with antibiotics. And technically speaking, we're talking about um, the organic feeding practices in regards of that point. Now, in order to for the meat to be considered halal, the animal must be killed according to the rules of hen harvesting or the sabiha, which is another terminology in Arabic way of speaking. The process involves a quick cut across the neck to serve veins and arteries. Uh, now, without harming the nervous system and the spinal cord, that allows to have a completely bleed out of the animal and lost conscious in between seconds. So that leads to the maximum drainage of the, uh, of the blood that carries away waste and microorganisms, which improve the healthier of the product, the taste and the quality of the meat. So in other words, halal is not just a terminology or way of speaking, but or a seal per se in a product, but it's a whole process in order to make sure what you're getting in your table or for your family to consume is what the most quality and integrity product free of any microorganisms, like I said before, or any uh, possible bacteria, which we know the blood holds the bacteria. So that's the differentiation between the two of, of the conventional meat, along with uh, the kosher aspect of thinking, and the halal, which lead us to the a natural concept, why so many non-Muslim consumers are currently looking for halal product line, besides of the being natural or, and the humane way of the, the animals being treated, and, and the right way how it's uh, supposed to be everything being handled. So let me ask you a question. This actually raises a couple of questions for me now that you're explaining it. So you're explaining to me that the animal cannot be treated with antibiotics. So if you're raising halal animals or animals that will be uh, destined for halal slaughter and one of them gets sick and mm -hmm. requires antibiotics, does it then right. just get separated from the halal group, get treated with the antibiotics and then it's a conventional product? Is that usually what happens? It's an excellent question, and your answer is yes. Exactly, that's what exactly happens. I mean, halal is a, not only, like I said, just an expression. It has to be the way how it's been treated. And, of course, they're alive, and day and night, uh, weather, in whatever case scenario, they could get sick. So, like you explained very well, yes, and they, they take them away from the flock or the group of the cattle, and they treat them until that is completely healthy. Then they wait for a period of time until those chemicals are being uh, disposed by the body properly in an organic way, and then be included again into the, uh, uh, the, the group of animals. That will be uh, the process when the animals considered again, natural, no antibiotics added or any other circumstances in that point. But that's exactly what exactly happens. Yeah, the animal gets treated, it's been taken, taken care of properly, and then after a period of time, 
that has been um, um, processed the chemicals and all the antibiotics has been given, then it's put into the group again. That's interesting. So it's, so there's no antibiotics given prophylactically. It's only if the animal becomes sick, it's treated, and then after those antibiotics have left the system, then they can be uh, rejoining the herd for a lot. It's exactly right. It's exactly okay. right. And then another question I have for you is, you mentioned that the slaughtering process is very important, that the animal needs to be cut across the throat and exsanguinated yes. entirely. Now, in a halal facility, would the animal be stunned in any way prior to the exsanguination or would it just be the exsanguination? There's some um, variations of that answer. I mean, the USDA regulation requires that the animal has to be stunned, in this case, the bird or the, the cattle to a certain extent to be stunned so they can be handled properly. In the halal concept, there is always a margin to understand if the stunning is creating the animal to die because on a Muslim perspective of living and eating, a Muslim cannot consume anything that has been dead previously, has to be alive. So there is a stages and a processing. And in regards to the flocks, the, the stunning, what is stunning or gas stunning has to be to the point of the, uh, the birth just losing conscience. And if you take them away from that line, they can recover uh, consciously in a matter of minutes. And that has to be previously approved by the body certifier that could verify that the animal is pulling out of the conveyor after being stunned, whatever case scenario is, and they come back to alive. And then can be certified the plant that it is under the criteria of the certification halal. Now, the other side of the, uh, the business is the no stunning. And this is the old-fashioned way in, uh, in the other side of the world. This, uh, they claiming that in order to be halal, cannot be stunned because could die. But now, if we are having a, a regulator points in here where it has been established, the amount of stunning could be permitted in order to maintain the situation, then it is acceptable. Yes, USDA asked for uh, to have this uh, stunning and it's been doing it in a proper way to make sure just lost conscience and there's no inflicted pain, which is another part of the halal concept. We mentioned about earlier that the halal is humanely handled in a way how it's been uh, taking care of the, uh, the cattle or the flock, in this case, the chicken, well, let's say, for the instance. But um, the way how it's been treated, it really matters because it's not the feeding, it's about the, the space where they're roaming if it were free range, how much square feet they have in order to make that situation happen, what the conditions of the farm it is in, in order to the product be, not the product, I'm sorry, but the flag, the birds are able to roam comfortably and the temperature is properly handled and 24-7. The feeding is properly balanced along with the clean water and uh, time of roaming, what they need to have in case of the bird. The cattle, the cattle have plenty of acres to run and walk and do their, uh, their normal life in order to make that possible. What are the conditions the farmers are giving to the, that particular uh, animal in order to be possible to have their normal life? So all those aspects are involved in that, not just the way it has been slaughtered or harvested, technically speaking, which is the terminology in the industry, but uh, the way has been taken care of from A to Z, from farm to fork. I understand that. That's actually extremely enlightening. I had no idea. And I'm glad that you answered the question about the stunning, right? Because I've been to plants before 
And that's mm-hmm. usually what happens, right? They get stunned and then it's quicker. Um, and then the bird is, you know, it's, yeah. it's at that point, it's stunned, but it's still alive. Right, exactly right. The importance to have the animal alive is to allow to, when the, uh, the bird is upside down in the conveyor, to the heart pumping out all the, of the blood. And that release the whole blood it is necessary. Technically speaking, the bleed out process and the birth is between 30 to 60 seconds, when normal is the standard in the market. Some companies go beyond of that to make sure the blood is completely uh, drained out. And that eliminates the fact of uh, the, uh, the muscle will hold the, the blood and it turns into bacteria that transmits that uh, possible sickness to your family if the chicken is not being handled properly. That's one thing. The second most important thing in here is that when it is being uh, harvested in the right way and it's completely bleed out, the muscle is tender and is juicier because it's relaxed. The animal has been relaxed and it's alive. If it is dead, the effect of the being already passed over is body is trained in uh, holding the blood and, and the body itself. So it will not be completely bleed out. And later on, you will find out that the product has uh, cause and effect. The product looks completely different. Then instead of being tender and juicy, you'll say chewy or uh, coloring or something related with the, with the blood being involved in the muscle. So that's the two main important factors in here. That is not just uh, harvesting the animal in by machine or either by hand, whatever case scenario, but it has to be alive in order to make sure that possible a bleed out and a proper handle has been given. Now, one key part in here, I said, no inflicting pain. And that is the fact of when the moment it's been harvested is that it's been used in a very sharp knife, a surgical knife, in order to not cut those nerves and to inflict the pain of the bird at the moment it's unconscious. So the cut is the most uh, clean as possible in order to prevent that situation. And of course, as like I said before, it's avoiding to touch uh, the main parts of, of the body to prevent the, the animal dying there. So there's so many aspects has been taken care of there that the halal is not just per se a label or technical way of speaking, but there's a whole process involved of it which translates later on in a high quality product and sitting in your table. So it sounds to me like halal, you know, has obviously its roots in religious beliefs, right? Generally, or cultural beliefs. Mm -hmm. But it sounds to me as though it actually lends itself to some of the trends that we see already for, Mm -hmm. um, you know, some of the bigger companies, right? You have antibiotic free, no antibiotic ever, all natural, right? Grass-fed, right. pasture-raised, cage-free, organic. You've got all of these different labels. And, you know, from what we understand, you know, it is really important, especially to a younger crowd, let's just mm-hmm. say like millennials and younger, to buy a product where they feel as though the animal was treated properly and they feel that they're eating something healthy and safe and perhaps, you know, take it as far as a specialty type item, Right. Agree. You go to the grocery store 15 years ago. How often did you see organic eggs? Right? Yeah, exactly right. And brown eggs, right? I mean, yeah. hardly mm-hmm. ever. And now you've got so many choices. Which ones do you really pick? Um, exactly. Talk to me about you know your mission of making halal more mainstream and like how can you 
How could you do that? How could you accomplish letting people know that halal is not necessarily just a religious uh, or cultural related term for food, but mm -hmm. it actually has to do with some of the things that are important to some consumers in terms of what they are eating? Well, this is an, a good approach in that part where you said because requires a lot of work between my organization along with the clientele I'm having and in regards to if it's a food producer or as a retailer per se, is to convey the right message. I mean, you mentioned earlier that uh, the fact of having new options, natural products, organic items, I mean, it's... Technically speaking, we're talking about a new trend, but it's not a trend. It's something we stay with us. And when I say that is because with the past of the years, the new education in regards of the benefits of XYZ, natural, organic, halal, and so others, creates a good effect in your body. And everybody in these days uh, is, are in the point of nurture their own cells. Now, you mentioned generations, yeah, millennials, Generation Z, Generation X. All of those are now well, well aware of the benefits of having something more organic. And when I say organic, I'm not talking about the certification per se, but the process of having something is natural concept of, of acquiring something. For instance, we, we as a customers, we buy by nostalgic. We like to buy something we used to get uh, at first um, overseeing individual from their countries. Often we're uh, natives. We're looking for something we used to consume in the past. And we remember for those ways of living from our grandparents and parents that how delicious it was to get something cooked in the table because of their way of doing it. Now, the aspect of my campaign in regards of this point is to bring that concept of the old-fashioned way and to the bring bring into the new way of thinking and living. Generation X, millennials, are educated individuals who are currently carrying a cell phone, a tablet, an iPad, and they're well-educated to know what exactly they're getting into. Now everybody knows that uh, a byproduct means something good or something bad. Normally, it stands by a bad, bad thing related with something about the product they're acquiring. A product we call natural, they want to know what is natural. They understand what is the concept of natural. So, and from my side of doing the help to the uh, market is to educate first the company who wants to bring this product. Why you want to bring it? How you want to bring it? What market you want to target? And what is your goal? And what are your objectives in regards to reach that goal? Because it's not just the fact of, uh, like I said before, put a sticker and that's it. I mean, although it's very easy to go anywhere, print a sticker and that's all. But what is the background you have in, in regards to support that uh, claiming in there? And the second is from the retail aspect. What the retailer is doing in order to make comfortable the Muslim and non-Muslim consumer to acquire the product. What can the message you provide to the mainstream uh, uh, clientele in order to acquire this item and feel comfortable? What they're getting is a natural product and not perhaps a, a halal slash ingredient or segregated for just X, Y, C individuals because they don't know what it is that. So we are focusing too much into remove the, the halal mystics or the halal misconception of what it means 
and translate that into the mainstream world. What exactly means for you as a end consumer, you as a producer, and you person in the middle? That what is the benefits of this uh, this factor? That's really interesting. I mean, it's I mean it's been said many times on this show and across the internet and across LinkedIn that you know the younger consumers are more likely to buy something when they feel like they're a part of something bigger. Exactly, they're buying for a cause. But as you mentioned, a lot of us buy for nostalgia, why we cook things that maybe our grandmother used to cook us, et cetera, et cetera. Me personally, um, I don't necessarily always buy a specialty food or buy for a mission. I, I'm a little bit different, I think, in that in that way. I buy what I like. I eat what I like. Um, but there are cases when I will. And I'll give you an example of one. And, and maybe I shouldn't give away um, because I have so many of our customers who uh, <laughs> who listen to this. But, you know, I have a favorite brand of hot dog. Okay. And it's Hebrew National. Uh-huh. Hebrew National. And it's really good. It's my favorite hot dog. And yeah. honestly, I'll, I will eat other ones if I'm somewhere else. But if I go to the store to buy a hot dog, I always buy Hebrew National. So uh-huh. It's my mom. I mean, I'm not Jewish. I'm not kosher. Right. Uh-huh. But I prefer a Hebrew national hot dog. I think that they've done a great job in marketing. Mm-hmm. I think they've done a wonderful job in demonstrating, you know, why they feel that they make a superior product. I don't necessarily think that, uh, you know, kosher is better or halal is better or no antibiotics ever is better. But I know that I like that hot dog and I know that I have great brand recognition because they've made it that way. Exactly right. This is the main point in here where we're trying to convey this message. It's about to bring to the uh, to the consumer the benefit of it. I mean, it's not just a commodity item. It's not something has been created one two years and that's all. It's not a movement either. It's a way of living for so many millions of people around the world. But it has been always separated just for those individuals because the lack of understanding the word of the halal and what is the meaning of it. So you said it right now about your uh, the hot dogs. I mean, they did the market research in the marketing aspect in order to convey the message of the benefits of their hot dog. And that is, believe me, I don't really eat it, do that too. I'm in clients for them as well. And it's a magnificent product. It's really tasted. And I love it. This is exactly what is the concept for our, uh, specialty foods is to allow to the uh, point A to point B uh, from the producer to the end consumer and make that situation or that connection between the two of them the proper message in order for you as a consumer to understand why you're getting it. Now, the bonus, the bonus in here or the benefits of that is after where you're acquiring the product, you will acquire the, all the benefits that are involved with that. What this, in this case, uh, for example, the, the hot dogs where you're acquiring. Well, it sounds like this is a great mission that you have to accomplish. I'd say that it's a pretty big undertaking. Um, but honestly, just after talking to you, I mean, what have we been talking for 15 minutes? I already feel like I know so much more than I did 20 minutes ago. And I think it's great information. Um, you know, so what's what's the plan, right? What's the plan to get the word out? And, and right. why should a producer want to get involved in potentially mm-hmm. producing a halal product? Right. So... There's always a question, where, where the halal fits in the mainstream grocery store? They're normally thinking, okay, uh, a buyer perspective and thinking, well, I'm a buyer. I need to look into this 
regional area. If there's a market for it, maybe I will put it in there. Well, it's not necessarily thinking like that. Uh, just segregating the product or the way of thinking is education per se. Uh, I mentioned earlier, halal is not just a, for a consumer per se, for one particular set of customers, but it's from everyone. Now, let's talk about numbers and how this could fit into that. And does the market justify to have the halal products in a grocery store? Yes, it does. And I say that based on a study made by the Pew Research, the estimates that there were made, there were about 3.3 million Muslims of all ages living in a country in 2015. I'm talking about six years ago. Now, this means that Muslims made up about 1% of the, the total U.S. population. And in those years, we're talking about 322 million people living in the country. And that they estimated that their share will double by the 2050. Now, in addition to their projections, that is suggested that U.S. Muslim population will grow faster than the Hindu or much faster than the Jewish population in the coming decades. And indeed, even before the 2040, Muslims are projected to become the second largest religion group in the U.S. after the Christians, of course. By 2050, the American Muslim population is projected to reach 8.1 million people or 2.1, the total population of that. So there is a reason to be in the market, yes. It is a concept to have the product available, of course. How you can reach that market, it's just, once again, to understand what the concepts of benefit of the halal is for everyone. Now, halal has been turned into a mainstream concept, a mainstream product line. Before, a couple of decades ago, was considered as an ethnic product line that was only for certain groups, in this case Muslims, and for them only. But you said it, educated individuals are constantly looking for something new, something better. They understand what is the benefits of having something more clean, more a uh, old-fashioned way of doing things. And that is what exactly the halal is, it gets, fits into. Now, the desire for conventional supermarkets to offer halal foods could be heard loud and clear during a, a consumer focus group. And this was conducted by the University of Dayton's business research group. One Muslim respondent noted the ideal shopping situation will offer fresh halal meat available at the grocery stores so they could go and do one-stop shopping. So that translates that, that if you have more options in your grocery store percent, you will have more food traffic and you will have more uh, clientele, more loyal clientele. That reflects as well, along with another uh, connotation for other in interviewer that was about if they could get their, uh, their product in their grocery store, they will shop in every day there. So there is a tendency for that. Now, mainstream concept, yes. Are many companies right now that could give a list of them that they are currently getting into the halal certification because they see the potential the market is growing. But before this happens, supermarkets must win the trust of sometimes skeptical halal consumers. And that is the education because it's not about just claiming your halal, but why you're claiming this halal and what is the benefits of that as well.
if it is for your uh, mother and, and father or for your kids or your cousins, what is the benefit of all of this? And especially for connections, what it does is exactly this, is agency and a whole process in regards of consulting, comprehensive training, along with a, a brand representation for the companies who are getting into the market or they already are in the market, but they want to expand more. So that allows us to open new channels of distribution and new areas of revenues for those two sides of business, from the end consumer slash retailer and the um, producer, food producer in case. That's great information. And you made a bunch of Great points, and we are we're coming up on our time. But a couple of nuggets that I have collected over the last couple of years in doing the podcast that I think are pretty interesting. So first and foremost, I thought I think you brought up a great point. If if most of us are eating some type of protein, right, like meat right. protein, mm -hmm. animal protein, most of us. Exactly. Um, some people are eating plant protein. Some people are vegan. Certainly. But a vast majority of us are going to the store to purchase some kind of meat at one point or another, right? Mm -hmm. Correct. So by not offering a halal product, if I if I'm and this is crazy, but I have a, I could literally right now walk through my grocery store virtually. I know where everything is in that store, what aisle it's in, what shelf it's on. I've got that place memorized. It's yeah, it's, right. it's, it's so nice. Yeah. yeah. So, but I'm thinking right now as we're talking. There's mm -hmm. definitely a kosher section in my yes. grocery store. There is a Hispanic section in my store. Uh, there is an Asian section in mm -hmm. my store. Uh, there's an Italian section in my store. Right? So yes. got, and there's even a, a small section just like for German international type foods, things like that, right? Yes. So you've mm -hmm. got all of these different international cuisine. And we'll say international, but really it's just specialty. Exactly. Um, but I have never... In all of the grocery stores I have lived in, seen a halal section or a section geared towards halal. So in a way, by making that available, especially in terms of protein, you are increasing your odds of bringing in uh, kind of a new uh, demographic. But you may want to obviously research how much of that demographic is in your area before you start. Exactly. It. But there's another side of that coin, right? Mm -hmm. Because even if you don't have that demographic in your area, as you mentioned, Halal could be a great choice for people who are not Muslim. Right. And in that case, you could take a play from Beyond Meat, right? So mm -hmm. Beyond Meat, they are a plant-based meat company, as we know, right? Publicly traded, big name. We all know who they are. And you yes. know how they got that way is they took their product and they stuck it next to the meat in the meat case. Mm -hmm. Right? Exactly. And so maybe the fact of the matter is, is that putting halal meat in the case next to the no antibiotics ever, the conventional, the kosher, and the beyond meat is exactly what consumers need because what consumers have told us time and time again is that what they want is choice. It's exactly right. And guess what? I think, I don't know, I cannot uh, confirm that or deny that perhaps beyond meat or someone else under the same category has been just recently certified halal as well. And they have the certification behind it with the seal of it. So I just wanted to confirm that point. Uh, however, um, yes, I concur with you. The fact of uh, grocery stores are well segregated for the different regions and inside the floor plan in order for you to understand what you want and get. That's exactly one of our points in here on working hand by hand with the retailer. Because uh, as we mentioned previously on the, this 15, 20 minutes conversation, that the fact of a halal is a natural product should we consider it as a mainstream item 
in the being segregated to a, a point of uh, separated cooler. However, we always, under the uh, specifications, we try to separate the concept of the uh, product line uh, as a pork separated from the halal product. And we say that, and we do that because the Muslim consumer feel offended at the fact of smelling the pork smell. Is tradition, culture, you name it, whatever called scenario is. But in order to maintain that customer going and getting the product, should be sitting chicken with chicken, no matter if it is halal or no halal, beef with beef, halal, no halal, because it's the same concept, just upscale product line, technically speaking. Now, the demographic, you mentioned a really good point there. Yes, indeed, we work on, on the demographics to create an anchor areas where we can present and project the product being allowed there, but we have studies that halal product has been consumed more by non-Muslim consumer, mainstream consumer uh, product, and uh, acquiring this product than the Muslim per se. Uh, in my case here, based on Chicago, I see that day by day that um, I see more mainstream consumer, non-Muslim consumer acquiring the halal because of the attributes of it than the uh, the Muslim perceive. There's a big margin in, in regards of acquiring the product line. So does it need to be segregated, this product? No, absolutely not. Could share the same uh, areas where the product is available and the shelves and the cooler and the freezers? Absolutely, that's what it should be. It is a natural product, just call it halal because of the way you live and the Muslims are into that. But it is a natural product per se, the concept of natural halal. This has been very, very interesting. I think probably we're going to need to revisit this in the future and talk some more about it because you really piqued my interest and it makes me want to do a lot of reading. But certainly a lot of retailers listen to this show. Um, also a ton of people just in the producer processor uh, segments. So I think there's a lot of very interesting people listening to your very interesting point of view on halal. Um, I think that there's a lot more to talk about. If anybody wanted to reach out to you and connect with you and ask you more questions about Halal or about your business, what's the best way to reach you, Oscar? Oh, so absolutely. Uh, you can reach me through my website. It's a specialtofoodconnections.com. We have an, um, a page where you can contact us directly or um, my email account is as well in a, in a website where you can contact me directly through that. Um, I'm open to hear and talk to you and hear whatever uh, whatever questions you could have and more happy to not answer anything of that. The benefit of, of this is, is in both ways. I mean, the educated market, will, I mean, the market will get more educated and the consumers will provide uh, consumer products Will provide a better product line. So whatever we can do, help, that's my way of communication through specialtofoodconnections.com. My telephone number and email contact is right there and how to contact us. Beautiful. And are you on LinkedIn, Oscar? I am on LinkedIn as well. Perfect. Yes. Perfect. Well, I appreciate your time. I know we've been talking about doing this podcast for a long time, so I owe you a big fat apology for not getting to it sooner. Um, but I'm really glad that we no got problem. a chance to, to cover all this material. It's been a real pleasure speaking with you. The pleasure was mine. Thank you for the invitation. Looking forward for more.
Thank you all for listening to this week's segment of the Ernerberry Weekly Market Digest with Oscar Giron. He's the president and owner of Specialty Food Connections, and today we covered halal. Uh, don't forget to send me over your suggestions for topics for future guests and obviously subject matter to elzinger at ernerberry.com. Give me a call at 732-240-5330. And as always, don't forget to connect with Oscar and me on LinkedIn to stay up to date on everything Center of the Plate.